0: Hi everyone, my name is Melody Jones-Poynton.
1: And I'm the Reverend Thomas de
0: And we are excited to walk the Sunrise Road together today.
1: The Sunrise Road podcast is a podcast with conversations that connect and weave hope into the fabric of our shared lives.
0: Thank you for joining us, and here's this week's conversation. I am so very pleased to have two um, wonderful folks in our community who I think are well worth knowing and should be famous. They're famous to us for sure. One is Judy Hart. She is a member of our community and has been working with us on our Justice in Action um, project that we're working on here as a community. And through that, I learned that she is also one of the Co founders of the Angels Theater Company Mm -hmm. um, and also the executive. Director Tim, you're going to have to help me out with your foot. It's the executive artistic director for Angels Theater Company, um, who is a friend of ours and has been um, with us before um, when we were talking about this mortal life. Also, and there's a new play coming out from Angels Theater Company, so we wanted to invite them both to talk to us about hope and storytelling and matters of perspective. So welcome to you both. Thank you for joining us. Thanks.
2: Thank you, Melody and Thomas.
1: (laughs) It's great to have you here with us today.
2: Thank you. It's great to think that we can share something. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I I really like that invitation. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, I think... um, Maybe a, a good place for the conversation to start is uh, a love of theater and what telling a story in that visual medium of theater um, can do. Because I, I know, Tim, you wrote a recent uh what an editorial um, about theater and, and what theater hopes to do. And uh, it's very intriguing. And so I, I wonder if both of you could share a little bit about what, what the hope of theater is in, in telling a story.
1: Um,
2: um Yeah. Judy, is, why don't you is, start? Is it okay if I start? Cause yeah. I, I nurtured this theater company for its first 30 years. And Tim's picking that up now, and he's got the next 30. So um, (laughs) no pressure, Tim, no pressure. Um, When we started Angels Theatre Company, it was uh, a group of people that, um, it was really a group of women, actually, who uh, were uh, parents and artists, and they needed um, an artistic home. They needed a place, they needed some hope, actually, mm-hmm. that uh, that we could come together and make um, as something artistic and invite an audience to. And we were all of an age, we were all in our early 40s and uh, mostly with children, and uh, we started talking about how much, um, what it meant to come together to make a work of art. So that's not... You know, some playwrights work alone and they and then they bring their work to um, a kind, loving, critical group of people that will give feedback. Um, But when we started, we didn't start with playwrights. We started with people who had their own stories to share. And Mm -hmm. we actually did theater for about 10 years based on the stories that were in our theater company. Um, which was really remarkable. Um, So, uh, yeah, so not only is hope and theater connected um, on on a literature basis, but it's also on a very visceral human connection that people hope that they will find their like-minded people to hang out with. And then they hope that an audience will come uh, who will listen to them and maybe leave the theater changed in some way. So there's this remarkable relationship that this art form allows people on every every level of it. So from the makers to the watchers, to the people who share the word after the fact, and that's, or the anticipation of the next project. And that's actually where you started, Melody, was that idea of we can't wait to see the next one. We hope it will be as good as our last one. So Tim, I'll stop talking, hand the baton over. So,
3: Well, I, I think all of that is exactly right. Um, you know, we tell stories in the theater because uh, largely we've had the experience in the theater of seeing what the theater is capable of mm-hmm. and seeing the connection that is made. You know, one of the things that was in the op-ed was the the word ephemeral which is just a big word that means it's live and happens in front of a live audience. But that is transformative um, because Mm -hmm. it engages people personally and directly in, um, I would call it personally and directly in the act of hope, Um, Mm -hmm. hope for the characters on stage, compassion for a character that is on stage. Um, and, And I think of not only, you know, hope in connection to what we see in the theater. But I was struck by, you know, something Judy brought up about, let's talk about this hope as in the creation and the continuation of Angels Theater Company in general. You know, Judy's 30 years in Angels, I want to be very clear, created the space that we're able to do this right now. Um, we don't exist without that 30 years of space creation and that 30 years of um I don't think I'm mixing my metaphors tilling the ground or <laughs> making this a place where these kinds of creative activities not only for the theater artist but for the audience can exist and I and I pulled several of those things out of the the book that you provided on hope is that These spaces have to be created and have to be cultivated and have to be nurtured in order to flower and succeed. Um, And so I think what we're able to do now or what we hope we're able to do now is based on that uh, work and that process and that legacy that is that has already been uh, created for us.
2: Yeah, I think the theater is so good. Um, I loved that chapter on proximate and aspirational purpose. And um, that's we've uh, the Angels Theater Company has actually been a lesson in that because we really had to be improvisational all the time and one step at a time because um kind of interesting how people go, come and go in this town, especially when it comes to theater people. Um, Route 80 goes really fast in both ways. <laughs> and, you know, people come in often because they're either participating in the university or they came with their partner that's um, working in the university and they stay for a short time. So you have to, you know, as much as we we always aspired to use what we could, you know, I, I don't think our aspir— we would have loved to have had our own theater building, but, um, that never happened because we were in the business of nurturing people and not paying rent. So, um, uh, we tried, I mean, we had a, we had a couple of homes along the way, but, you know, I, we always wanted to pay our artists rather than paying our landlord. So, um, I think that always gave uh, the artists firm footing. I think they always felt that they were appreciated in a really remarkable way. When we had nothing, we still gave them something. So Mm. we always split the, you know, whatever money came in, we tried to give it to artists first. So that's a great legacy, too. Um, Those are good shoulders to stand on, that kindness.
3: And, th- and that's still our operating procedure, yeah. our, our MO, if you will, is that we, um, we remain homeless, quite honestly, through the pandemic years, we would not exist if we didn't. Yeah. And, um, you know, that idea of honoring artists and making sure that um, we pay our artists first is, is still a legacy and a, um, and a lesson that we take from, from our past. From Judy. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> 30 years of
2: being a volunteer. So, uh,
3: <laughs> um,
2: uh, yeah, it's all that's there's so much hope in there. You know, I, when Melody, when you mentioned that word and when Thomas talked about hope as being hope is ephemeral, hope mm-hmm. is yeah. mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I, I hope that happens, but I've got to take these steps to get there. So mm-hmm. uh, I think theater is a great, um, just a great lesson in step after step after step. So it's yeah. also I, really helped me in the justice work too. Mm-hmm. just um, chaos, you know, dealing with people. It's chaotic. So so is the theater.
3: Yeah. And he
1: Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, I do want to want to pick up on that editorial that you wrote, Tim, about about that big word ephemeral, and I had to ask Judy what it meant, and so I'm glad <laughs>
2: <laughs> I gave him a different definition, though. Right, oh, right,
1: right. Um, But but the, the, the fact that um, that moment when you are in the theater that's a unique moment, uh, as mm-hmm. as those on stage and those in the audience, and I. I just recall that so vividly from the play that you did a year ago, uh, Nancy Shanks, this more Life, When I was just absolutely devastated in the end because Dietrich Bonhoeffer died again, mm. and 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 I was I was offended by that because I for somehow I was hoping that this time <laughs> there might be a different outcome, and 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 there's there's something that happens there as being part of that that moment that you are really. You, you write in the uh, article about the' this, this, this midlight uh does mid feeling the 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 compassion the, the the identification with the characters and 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 that something happens within us there and um as I was reading um Marianne McKibben Dana's book on, on hope I, I I always sense a little bit of like there's like hope against hope uh mm-hmm. that 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 you hope that maybe this time it will turn out differently um. I I had the, the the joy to to watch um, Hades Town uh, on Broadway last fall, and 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 that is a great uh, musical based on the uh, on, on the myth, um, and 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 that's kind of the theme in there that it, in the beginning they tell you it's a tragedy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to turn out terrible, but but we sing the song anyways, and, and and that that kind of that movement to do it anyways, I I find that so so powerful because. We need that imagination to 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 uh, to 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 envision a different outcome. Yeah,
3: I, I I think that's exactly right. You know, the the definition I like of Mitleid is uh, to suffer with, mm-hmm. because to your point, um, I mean, we go in knowing that Dietrich Bonhoeffer is going to die, but being able to suffer with him gives us the hope that it could turn out differently. And that's why we walk through that journey. Um, and there is something that you know I, in the in the book too i i I read about the mixing of hope and joy. And there is, you know, tragedy is is strange because tragedy at some level elicits joy. Um and that's always been a conception back to Aristotle of why does this happen? Why do we watch someone else's suffering and and feel and feel joy about that, um, and it's and I think you're able to see the hope within that story, and that's a way that mm-hmm. we can experience what's happening with the story. Let, let, let me give you, a, you know, a, a kind of different example. the The play that we're going to produce here coming up um, is the is a true story. It's a story of a individual's life, um, Meg Crane, who invented the home pregnancy test. And there are some absolutely heartbreaking moments that will involve a lot of judgment. Mm. Because when the pregnancy test was created in the late 60s and even through its approval process in the early 70s, the it was not seen as, oh, this is something that women can do for themselves. It was seen as this is something certain women want to do for very personal and immoral reasons, mm. i.e. single women who are taking a pregnancy test for whatever reason. Or uh, a line from the play is, the only reason a woman could possibly want to know if she's pregnant is so that she can get an abortion. Mm. Um, So fascinating statements, but statements that were absolutely said at the time. The magic of the theater, there's there's a particular scene in, in this play where a woman is talking about why she needs the pregnancy test to Meg. And I, I won't spoil the scene completely, but her her motives are her motives will be judged by people in the audience. But what I'm encouraged by and what I'm, I'm fascinated by that the theater can deliver is that whether you agree with her or disagree with her or trust her motives or find her motives lacking you do have to engage with her and you have to hear her story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to have midlight. You have Mm -hmm. to be able to suffer with this woman in her choice. And whether this gives you more strength in your conviction or whether it changes your conviction, that's not really my purpose. My purpose is that you have to encounter her and see her on her own terms. Mm -hmm understand her story um then i think you can go away and and believe what you will believe <laughs> but you will hear from her um and i and i think that that's really the strength is is seeing the the person seeing the 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 suffering or the hope that that's that that person has and then being able to take that journey along it, it is a unique aspect i uh you know, I've been involved with the, the theater for 30 years of my adult life, and, you know, actually, a lot of those years trail back to, people may not know this, some of those early years in the theater I spent with Judy. Uh, she, Judy was actually one of my teachers early on mm-hmm. at the university, so I, you know, that that journey that that I've been on, that's what's fascinated me most about the theater and, and about its connection to a community, is that we tell stories that have to matter to the community. Um, that's why we're telling this story in February. That's why we told this, the uh, story of Bonhoeffer last March. Um, if you look back at the history of angels, that's why many of the productions that Judy mounted in, in the first 30 years were told because they matter to this community. Um, they yeah, matter.
2: yeah. And, and often um losing the ring in the river was a fairly recent one also that people would come up afterwards and say well that's not necessarily the the topic of the play but those that's my family on stage how did you know how did you know my family and how did they get on stage so they see themselves in the challenge that the characters on stage have to solve so um that's that that's that remarkable exchange that happens. And for actors, it's different every night. So the outcome is always the same, but the process is ephemeral in the sense yeah. that um, if somebody sneezes at a in the audience at a different point than they did last night, and people start to laugh, it changes the dynamic of of how the next part of the play is received. If it was a very tense moment and somebody sneezes, everybody goes, oh, you know, and then we start again. So, yeah, um,
0: yeah. yeah. I think it's really interesting that um, one of the things that I hear both of you saying and Judy, when you were talking about how it started is the important importance of sharing our stories in spaces where they are heard and where they have an opportunity to be presented in such a way so that they are authentic, but without necessarily um, eliciting, like going after a certain reaction. So like, this is something that happened. We're all going to have different reactions to it. I mean, you know, we ha- we have different reactions to everything you know as a preacher i stood in the pulpit on sunday and i s- talked about things in the headline that were uncomfortable to me knowing that every single person in our congregation was going to have a different reaction to the headlines cuz cuz that's part of who we are but i think the ability and the awareness that we need to share what is happening in our lives and maybe have some conversation, um, you know, one of the things Marianne talks about, and one of the things that we are hopefully talking about here is, is that matter of perspective. And maybe it's just so simple as saying, I've heard your story now. So I understand your perspective.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's taken me out of my own understanding of what needs to be because I have Sympathized with this story, I felt connected to this story, and it's not where I thought it would go. Um, I mean, I agree with Thomas when D- when Bonhoeffer died last year. Like, I was really angry, but I'm also a historian, and I'm angry. I was. I remember reading Lincoln's um, Doris Kearns Goodwin's book on Lincoln, and I was in tears at the end because Lincoln gets shot, <laughs> and I w- and my everybody was making fun of me. But it's like when you're engaged in that story. And you're sort of living, having a chance to live it alongside somebody. It does, it draws you in, and and sort of breaks down for me. Break hopefully breaks down barriers and my understanding and um, a revelation, an apocalypse, if you will, um, <laughs> uh, that I maybe wouldn't have known otherwise.
3: There's a I'm gonna to try to connect something you just said because I, I think it's interesting and, and with, with no disrespect to film. We all love films, right? But there's something different in let me let me pick on Titanic. We all went to see Titanic knowing that the Titanic sinks at the end. And we may have been emotional at watching that movie. But I don't think that at, at least for me. I expected or thought that there was any hope that the Titanic would make it through the iceberg. Mm. And yet when I watch a play, when I see somebody on stage, like you were mentioning earlier, there's a possibility that Dietrich lives. <laughs> there's a possibility. <laughs> and, and and I don't know what to, to say to describe that feeling, but it there's a more personal connection, a more, a greater sense of hope. That we can impact the outcome, mm-hmm. then, and and I think that that has to do with the difference in the art forms and the way that we interact with the art forms. But um, I don't have the language yet to uh, to describe how that happens.
1: You you do mention in your article, and we're gonna link your article uh, on the bottom of the show notes here. Uh, you, you do mention the the observation that that people in an audience share the heartbeat or sh- share the breath and that there's something synchronizing in that moment uh that happens not in the same way in uh in in a movie theater even um mm-hmm. and even less of course now with streaming and asynchronous and and those kind of things um there's something really that kind of like tunes us into each other uh that happens particularly in the theater
3: yeah we experience theater in a the community mm-hmm. We sometimes experience film in a community, but but not often. And and I there again, I think there's some some artistic reasons for that. But but yeah, it's um I I, I shared that um I was talking with a colleague about that that idea and, that, and that's a study from the UK that you know started I can't imagine putting heart monitors on people when they walk into a theater <laughs> and that kind of thing, but you know, apparently that's how they did this research. But that also happens with people you agree with. Mm. But they will find that your breathing and your um, and your heart rate start to sync up, uh, and even your your uh, eye movements. You're blinking, like if you are in agreement with somebody, your your blinking will synchronize.
0: This is going to change the way I have meetings. I'm going to be looking at people's eyes. Like, are you blinking when
3: I'm looking?
1: <laughs> I think it doesn't. Look you look I'm for it, agreement. Melody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Man, but I, there, there's something you know that there's a community aspect of that, that I do think mm-hmm. is really important. Um, and, you
2: know, there's yeah. a, there's a, another layer. This doesn't relate directly to where we are in the conversation, but I didn't want to forget it. Um, uh, sometimes artists leave their best work in the rehearsal hall, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes it's mm-hmm. the discovery of, mm-hmm. of how to deal with that moment that um, happens in the rehearsal hall. And we never see that discovery again on stage. But that's an electrical thing that that I know Tim has experienced. I'm, I'm sure everybody has experienced it in one way or another. You just can't go back and get that first jolt. Most people only go to the theater, they see something once. So they're left with that visceral response when something was either the way they thought it was going to be or some surprise happened, um, but artists feel it so at so many different times. It's not always in front of an audience, so um, which just just fills that whole experience up with all the ghosts that are all those moments you know that you uh, found along the way that um, the audience doesn't know that, but the artists do. The artists say, ah. You know, every time I get to this word, I smell something that is mm. very interesting. Why did that happen that way? So mm. um, I'm just I'm a total visceral artist, you know, as much as Tim. Tim and I talk about it all the time. He is he is such a thinker and uh, such an intellect. And I got none of that. So <laughs> okay. um, it accumulates, and sometimes I look good because it accumulated along the way. But I'm all about the physical response mm-hmm. that either an actor has or an artist or an audience has. And sometimes it's so visceral you can't move at the end of a performance. And I think we experienced this um with the Bonhoeffer play. It's that
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's that moment when it didn't change, and you just think, mm-hmm. oh. I have to go out into the world and have my life
0: mm-hmm.
2: without it changing. So when the
0: bad guy took that painting, I'm still mad about that. Ah.
2: <laughs>
0: I can't believe he took the took the painting. Do you think, um, do you think that there's hope in every
3: story? Mm. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Um, I do, and I do not necessarily from the characters of the stories point of view but because of why we tell the story and what the story tells us about life Mm. you know i'll this this what i like about this this book uh hope is it's really a collection of stories and it's a collection of stories that don't always uh, work out (laughs) but the stories are always very instructive not only for the author but by but for us too, as, as we read them. And so, so I do think that there's, there's something that we take from every story. Um, Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, And sometimes it isn't the content of the story, but it's the agreement that somebody's listening to you. So I, I think that, that being heard, somebody listening is our hope um, if everybody's talking in this world, um, wait, there's, there's not much hope, but if there's, if, if some of us are listening, uh, to retell that story from our own point of view, I think there's, there's so much hope in that. I mean, that's history. I mean, that's how do you, how do you retell something that has happened a long time ago in a way that matters to us now? That's, uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. we could read it alone then it stays in our head but if we read it and retell it um i think that's um that's humanity that's um i think that's what my mom said i should do is listen to her so you know it's those early <laughs> lessons that we learned as children
3: the the judy what you just said there about the community too as i think about the the salon reading series mm-hmm. um You know, you started that a long time ago. Just the act of reading a play Mm -hmm. in front of a group of people changes the way that story is told. Um, And this, you know, it's something easy and um, low stakes to do, but something that can have such a power. And, you know, I've even heard uh, people who come to the salon reading say they enjoy those events more than they enjoy full productions um, because there's something so visceral and, and, Mm And distilled about that experience.
2: And dangerous. You know, yeah. there's a little danger there. Mm. Dangerous how? Uh something might unusual. Something unusual might happen, like a dog might come into the room, or, you know, <laughs> or somebody drops their wine, or um yeah, or the the whole music stand topples and we have to wait till everybody puts everything back together again <laughs> so it's it's not perfect it's imperfect the
1: the the perfect mm-hmm. is not a goal there right yeah. right uh-huh.
2: no I,
0: I love that, that. yeah yeah I love that um because in our in our business um in a sense we are um a part of every week um trying to do some of the same things that we've been talking about, you know, sharing a perspective Um, and I'm sitting here sort of wondering, like, I wonder if they did that test in a, that heart test in a, in a Mm. church, if people, if people would come together as, you know, their, their hearts might start to beat on the same uh, rhythm and, and wondering just what that does um, with the unpredictable you know yeah. cuz um in my experience um tragedy happens all the time you know and and we've been talking a lot about hope obviously but um hope is most present in those times i mean i i think about the times that somebody had a a physical emergency in the middle of worship and the hope of the people coming together and and praying or you know, like when we carry that story together, um, what what does the hope become? And it's not always where we thought it would be. With Dietrich Bonhoeffer not really dying, <laughs> and that guy leaving the painting, he took the painting, <laughs> still angry. But
3: <laughs> if it helps, uh, that painting hangs in Nancy's house now. <laughs>
0: I thought you were going to She's say it's okay. right behind me. We, <laughs> yeah.
3: we, we, uh, we gifted the painting to Nancy at the end of the show and she was very excited. Oh, yes. Yes.
0: It. Yeah. Um, well, I do want to thank you so much for agreeing to share with us your perspective on the theater. And I realized that for the purposes of our, of our podcast and of our um, exploration of, of hope Um I do want to say, in particular, there is something special about the theater and and the medium of the theater that uh, that we love.
1: Can you just Many give us fast. a quick plug about uh, Predictor? When is it happening? Um, how do people oh, get to see it? Yeah, yep. certainly.
3: So, uh, Predictor opens February the tenth at the Johnny Carson Theater at the Lead Center for Performing Arts, and you can get uh, tickets at the Lead Center website. Um, and it is the world premiere of uh, mm-hmm. this particular play. And what's what's more exciting is that this play is going to be presented at three theaters um, throughout the country this year. Different productions. But so after it leaves Lincoln, it will play it opens May fourth in Indianapolis, and then it opens at the end of June in Sacramento, California. Um so this is a a play that is going to go across the nation and Lincoln gets to see it first.
0: Very cool. Um <laughs> to follow up, do has there have there been any other productions of this mortal life also?
3: Uh not yet, but not yet. Do have a, we 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 may have some things more news on that soon.
0: All right. All right. Well, we hope that you will let us know and share with us and we are so appreciative of the work of Angels Theater Company and the um the thought-provoking that that you do for us as a community. And a special shout out to one of our favorite actors, uh, Mason Gustafson, (laughs) who apparently is not the nice guy in this play. (laughs) But I don't know more than that. I don't know more than that.
3: He plays a variety of characters. Some of them are lots of fun, and one of them uh, has the potential to make people very angry. I'm going to have to
0: remember yeah. that the next time he comes
3: to church. <laughs> yes.
0: He's, it's just a play.
3: It's just a play. A play.
0: <laughs> well, again, thank you so much thank for you. spending thank time you. with us today. And um, I think that's it for the Sunrise Road today. Thanks for the
2: opportunity.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sunrise Road Podcast. Our podcast is hosted by me, Thomas DuBermud.
0: And me, Melody Jones-Poynton. And it is edited by Vince Rule.
1: The Sunrise Road Podcast is a ministry of Eastridge Presbyterian Church. Please like, and subscribe, and leave a review. <music>